What keeps you up at night is brought to you by Plastics News, the essential news source for the plastics industry. Did you know the Plastics News data store has dozens of rankings and lists to help drive your market intelligence? The Plastics News data store has information your business needs. Find out more at plasticsnews.com data lists. I'm Brennan Lafferty, publisher of Plastics News. This is What Keeps You Up at Night. My guest this week, Karen Laird, editor of Sustainable Plastics, a sister publication of Plastics News. Europe has seen a drastic decrease in COVID cases in the last several months. Laird, who's based in the Netherlands, discusses the strict stay-at-home orders that took place across Europe, including fines imposed for public gatherings of groups of three or more. Now, with the virus under some control, Laird talks about how businesses are opening up. But what does that mean for the Fakuma trade show? the industry's largest in Europe, scheduled for Germany this October. Laird gives her insight, along with some of the biggest stories she's written for Sustainable Plastics. It's July 8th. What keeps you up at night begins now. My thanks to Karen Laird, editor of Sustainable Plastics, you can keep up with her on Twitter at the handle at SustainPlastics or on our website, SustainablePlastics.com. Web producer Aaron Sloan helps produce this podcast. Hattie Shaheda designed our graphics for the website and social media. Andrew Lafferty and Zeke Lafferty recorded our sponsor messages. Grace Lafferty edited our audio. Thanks so much for listening. What Keeps You Up at Night is brought to you by Plastics News. For more podcasts like this, visit plasticsnews.com slash audio. I'm Brennan Lafferty, publisher of Plastics News. Karen Laird joins me from The Hague in the Netherlands, where she lives. Hi, Karen. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Brennan. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Well, Karen, let's talk COVID and the pandemic that has gripped the world. Tell our listeners, what is the situation in the Netherlands as it relates to COVID? Specifically, from a business angle, are businesses in general open? And then from a public health standpoint, are people wearing masks in the Netherlands universally? And what's the mood of the country in general? Well, that's a good question, Brennan. Over here, we're starting to open up for business again. Our government closed us in March. He called it an, an intelligent lockdown. And we were all advised to stay home, work at home, businesses shut. And it was very strict and it was enforced as well. So people were fined if they were found out in a group or with more than three people on the sidewalk, for example. So it was all very strict. But it seems to have helped because we've had a total of 50,000 cases about that. 
and it's a very densely populated country. So we had to be very careful in this respect because there's just so many of us. As a result, we've been slowly been able to open up the country. Since the 1st of July, everybody's been open for business again. This is the Netherlands. The sex workers were the last ones to get permission, but they're now back in business as well. The physiotherapists, the hairdressers, everybody. But there's still a general sense of caution because we've had around 6,100 deaths and everybody knows someone who's in whose family uh, someone died. And therefore, everybody is still being very careful, keeping their distance and not shaking hands. Uh, there's none of the normal kisses that are given on greetings or anything anymore. That's all, that's all gone. And as for businesses, a lot of them have been um, relatively hard hit, but we've had help from the, from the government. And hopefully, now that we're open again, this will see a lot of businesses through the most difficult part. Masks are compulsory when using uh, public transport, and that's it. We do not have to wear masks when we leave the house or go into a store or anything like that. We must keep our distance, but we don't have to wear masks. But it's impossible when sitting on a tram or a bus to remain at the uh, mandatory meter and a half distance from one another, and therefore masks have been made compulsory when riding public transport. Very good. That makes a lot of sense. Let's slightly shift our focus in the conversation to a trade fair that many in the plastics industry have been looking forward to all year, the Fukuma Show in southern Germany. Can you tell our listeners what the organizers of the Fukuma Fair stated publicly recently? And of course, the, the big question, of course, is will the show go on? What did the Shaw family say? Well, the Shaw family says the show will go on. However, they also said in that same statement that the final go-ahead is expected for the end of July. So while everybody's very enthusiastic and hopes that the show will go on, nobody knows for sure what exactly the state of affairs is. The state in which the state government in which uh, the Fakuma is held, uh, well, the state government of the state in which the Fakuma will take place, has given permission for trade fairs and this sort of business conference for these to go on. However, it's still not exactly clear under what conditions this will be. As of today, it's very difficult to say with any certainty mm -hmm. that there will be a Fakuma 2020, but I must say that uh, everybody is hoping there will be. Some of the measures that have been made public or have been suggested are, for example, allowing 150 people in a hall at, at one time, which is, of course, for a trade fair like Fakuma, not that many. Another thing will be the use of plastic shields everywhere. People will be masked. Also, the number of visitors will be counted as they come in and go out. 
So how exactly that will work out in practice is anybody's guess because, well, it's in October and it tends to rain sometimes in October. So I don't see great crowds of people standing outside waiting to be to be let in if it's raining, for example. Mm. So, I mean, these are all practical considerations that are still, these details still have to be worked on. Well, Karen, as we mentioned at the beginning, you're the editor of Sustainable Plastics. You previously served as our editor of Plastics News Europe. Tell the listeners, what's the difference between Sustainable Plastics and Plastics News Europe? How has your coverage changed since a year ago? Well, we used to be a pan-European plastics trade journal that covered every aspect of the plastics industry. And we were one of the very, very many of such journals doing that at that time in Europe. We've now changed our focus so that we're more in line with what's happening in the plastics industry. Because what we see and what's happening is in response to public opinion, in response to legislation, huge changes are taking place in the industry. People are becoming more aware of the fact that you have to be more responsible in the way plastics are managed. It's no longer good enough just to make plastics, to make a a plastic product, and then take your hands off it. No more responsibility. No, we have to find ways to be more circular in our use of plastics. Also, because the realization has dawned that oil is a finite resource and plastics, a lot of plastics, are made of oil. Therefore, if we just use oil to make plastics, and then simply throw it away, we're throwing away a very valuable resource. And that really doesn't make sense when you think of how much energy, how much effort, how much money is involved with these materials. So these are all developments that we saw, and we thought, well, Sustainable Plastics is a magazine that is uh, focused on covering these trends. The shift in, in, in opinion, the shift in legislation, and the shift in the way plastics are viewed in general, also by the industry. And that's the biggest difference. Before that, we just had news. Now we've got news that's relevant to the plastics industry now and in the future. I know the latest issue of Sustainable Plastics is out. It's available on sustainableplastics.com today. What should uh, readers expect when they open up the new issue of Sustainable Plastics? What are some of the stories that are in that issue? One of the first um, stories that they'll encounter is an opinion piece written by a um, circular economy advisor employed at Tomra, the manufacturer of recycling equipment. And she sailed on an expedition through the, the, what is it, the Northern Pacific Great Garbage Patch. And she's written a very interesting piece on why that plastics never go away. She's seen where they go, and they don't go away. And uh, that's very much worth reading. A couple of the features this, this month were on digitalization and how they can promote sustainability. We did an interview, for example, with the CTO at DSM about his company's digital roadmap and how this is, he said, as he put it, intimately linked with sustainability. 
So those are a few of the things. We also are highlighting blockchain and how this will enable traceability in the plastics industry, which will enhance the recyclability of plastics by making it possible to identify exactly when and by whom a, a material was produced, where it went, what it was made, what was made from it, and what happened then. Mm. So in that way, we'll be promoting circularity as well. So these are a few of the highlights. Plus, I can thoroughly recommend the one about bioplastics, which is an Italian company who specialized in PLA compounds. And the point there is, as he says, it's not about biodegradability or the end of life. It's about CO2 emissions. We can bring those, we can reduce those so significantly by using plant-based feedstocks instead of oil. Hmm. So that's interesting as well. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, it's been amazing during during the pandemic to see stories and, and read news articles around the country and around this country and around the world about how our CO2 emissions have been greatly reduced as air travel had been pretty much ground to, <laughs> yeah. ground to a halt. But I'm sure that will start to build up again uh, once especially business travelers begin uh, traveling in full at some point. Yeah, I think I think that has already started. If I'm, I, I've I've read a few articles saying that emissions are almost back to where they were, which is in some sense a shame. Yeah, <laughs> I think you were talking about the latest issue of Sustainable Plastics. It's got me wondering what are some of the most popular stories that you've worked on for the website or the publication during the first six months of 2020. It's certainly been a wild ride, uh, not one that we ever would have expected coming into this year no it's it's been a wholly different a wholly different experience than 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 i'd ever thought it would be but still it's been fascinating working on sustainable plastics i would say one of the one of the really interesting stories that i worked on was about the fact that microplastics are now have now been discovered to be airborne as well as seaborne hmm. uh, we all know about microplastics that were in our personal care products that we were washing down the drain and then these were ending up in the seas and in, in oysters and this sort of animal. But now they're apparently airborne as well. They've been found in the most remote spots in remote wildlife parks in the United States, in the western part of the United States, where plastics never should have been found. And this is an eye-opener. Nobody knew that this was possible, and we still have to study the effects of this on animal wildlife, but on our own lungs as well, because uh, the researchers said that the microplastics were of the right size to be an irritant to lung tissues. So this does not sound like good news. That was a very interesting story. We've had a, a, a one that drew a, a whole lot of attention on the site, was about a blockchain application for marking products for recycling. And it was one of the first that we've, that we've written about that, and our page views were, were doubled. And it was amazing because it was a rather technical story, but apparently it uh, hit a nerve with a lot of people. I guess my final question to you, Karen, 
My final question to you, Karen, would be about uh, your coverage of the plastics industry doing so remotely. Uh, we're all working from home these days, and we're so used to hopping on airplanes and visiting plastics processors and converters and machinery makers and going to trade fairs. Has it been uh, a bit of a challenge to cover the industry uh, from the confines of your home, or has it also been uh, a bit of a, a, a nice break to, uh, to be able to just hunker down and, and do your work from where you live? That's a very good question, Brennan. Well, to be honest, it's been a bit of a break, of course, because when I, I cover Europe, which involves quite a lot of travel, and not having to travel means that I have more time to write and to develop stories because I'm not in an airplane or, or somewhere else. On the other hand, it's always good to go places and to actually see with your own eyes what people are doing and what the latest developments are. And you can't do that in a digit, just online, digitally. Mm-hmm. So it's been a, it's it's a bit of a um, two-sided question. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it's been convenient, it's been time-saving, um, and a lot more restful. On the other hand, personal contact is always uh, I don't know it's it's warmer. You it's it's easier to have a talk, uh, to have a personal talk with people than to talk via Zoom. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm, I'm very happy with the, with the digital options that we have today, but I also like getting out there and talking to people. Yeah, I, I think we all miss that. Well, Karen, thanks so much for your time. I'm, yeah. I'm so used to seeing you in Europe a couple times a year, whether it's in Germany or in London. I sure hope we get to see each other and work together in person sometime soon. I hope so too, Brennan. I'll look forward to that. (laughs) Me too. Thanks, Karen. So many of us these days are working from home and we are surrounded by our loved ones. In that spirit, here's my son, Zeke Lafferty, with our closing sponsorship message. What Keeps You Up at Night is brought to you by Plastics News, the essential news source for the plastics industry. Sign up today for a paid subscription to Plastics News. Options include print, digital, or group subscriptions tailored. For your business needs, find out more at plasticnews.com slash subscribe.